Welcome back to another episode of Conservative Roundup. Today I'm joined by Colin Carey, the MP for Oshawa. All right, everyone, welcome back to episode 16 of Conservative Roundup. Today we're joined by Colin Carey, the MP for Oshawa. Thanks for joining us, Carey. It's great to have you. Well, it's wonderful to be on the show here, Aiden. That's great. All right, first of all, why don't you start by telling us a a little bit about yourself. Well, that um, I'm the son of a Navy veteran. Uh, my dad served in the Canadian, well, the Royal Canadian Navy for about 25 years. And I think that's where I got my idea that public service was really important for all Canadians. And I really, uh, really honor uh, those people who put on a, a uniform and serve our country. And uh, ever since I was a young kid, my dad always instilled it's always important to give back. So um, I think that's kind of how I ended up in politics eventually. And uh, I've been uh, enjoying it. And I feel so honored that I've been the representative for Oshawa. It's very few people get to do this job. And I still pinch myself every time I go in the house. Wow. And this is my second question here. Coming back to Bill C-7 that was sadly passed last night. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about Bill C-7 Bill C and... Uh and your points and like that all that last night well it was disappointing last night um the liberals i think you're probably aware they brought in uh, a bill for assisted suicide uh, back in 2016 i think it was and the original bill was supposed to be reviewed uh last year now because of the ongoing we scandal uh the liberals didn't um do their mandatory review and what happened was a court in Quebec challenged the government on the constitutionality of the the original bill and interesting enough most governments when they get challenged on their own legislation they push back and challenge it but uh, this liberal government didn't and uh, they were making some amendments to the um, original bill which passed through the House of Commons and but it went to the Senate and the Senate ended up expanding the bill a lot further than what the government said they would do and what was required under the, the lower court's decision. So they ended up opening up uh, assisted suicide for people with mental health challenges. And, uh, you know, this is just something that where how we ended up here. I, I was really, really saddened last night that, you know, um, they would want to go this far with uh, – with this bill. So I don't know if you've been pay, paying attention to it or following it along, but uh, I never thought people who were depressed, which is a totally treatable condition, uh, the, the government would open up uh, medical assistance and dying to these, uh, these people. And it, it's all the victims groups and all the uh, disability groups are against it. Uh, the, the minister himself said he had consensus, but he obviously did not. And uh, I just find it a very deceptive bill and the way that they brought it forward when you have such a, a changed bill come back to the House, the proper way would have been to go through committee again. And they just used something called closure, which means they shut down debate on it and forced the bill through. And when you have uh, an important issue of life and death, and I, you know, we should be allowed to debate it. Canadians expect us to debate it in the House and make sure there are safeguards for our most vulnerable. And uh, it was a sad day for uh, Canadian democracy when they pushed that through. Yes, it is very, very, very sad to hear that it was passed, but thank you. 
Um, Dr. Cherry, I was just wondering if you could tell us about any highlights of your career as an MP so far. Well, I got to say there's been a lot of highlights uh, with, you know, myself and my career. Uh, the first one actually was when I was elected. I, uh, I am a chiropractor by trade. And I remember back uh, in, uh, I think it was 2002, uh, with uh, the Liberal government at the time, they were putting um, uh, people into Afghanistan. And there was this Liberal, um, they called it a sponsorship scandal. And I thought, you know, Canadians deserve more. So um, I got involved locally. And uh, I have a wonderful wife and family behind me. And I was able to, to get elected in 2004 with... Um, not quite then, our leader of our party, uh, Stephen Harper. And uh, it's been a really interesting, rewarding career ever since. I was extremely honoured when we did form government in 2006 that uh, Prime Minister Harper appointed me uh, Parliamentary Secretary to Industry. It was really great for Oshawa. Um, I, I helped develop the Automotive Action Plan, which was our automotive strategy. I helped... Um, Bring large investments into Oshawa for uh, the automotive sector. Um, I also had a great uh, opportunity when Prime Minister Harper moved me over as Parliamentary Secretary to Health, and uh, I worked on a number of different bills. One was a private member's bill I had uh, for natural health products to make them more uh, like safer and more available for Canadians, and I ended up being the um, longest-serving parliamentary secretary in the history of Canada, which I'm very proud of. And I also had the opportunity to be uh, a parliamentary secretary for the environment, which was extremely interesting, uh, you know, with uh, the environment being such an important issue for so many people. Um, and uh, now that we've been in opposition for a while, I've had some uh, uh, opportunities to work in opposition as well as is it, is it my connection or is there something to whether that's through uh, health uh, the Trade Committee has also our uh, development, and now I'm uh, really enjoying being on ethics. Uh, the we scans, sure, no, is was it could be. My apologies, could be. I think it's a Zoom call. Yeah, it's like freezing up and freezing back, and yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's yeah, just Brett's probably. Do you want to? Do you want to? Do you want to start start over at a certain spot? Uh, we can hear you now. I think we can. We can still continue. Yeah, we're good. We're good now. I think it was just the Zoom meeting. It was just lagging for a minute or something like that. No, I've had that happen so many times with uh, the House of Commons. If you get to watch that, uh, it is a bit of a challenge. But uh, I'm looking forward to the day we can do it in person. Mm -hmm. This will be great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, sorry about that. Yeah. Blue, no uh, problems. Blue, uh, continue though. Blue. Yeah. Great. Continue. If you, can, if you will. Yeah, well, I've uh, had the opportunity recently to sit on Veterans Affairs Committee, and now I'm on Ethics Committee. And you guys are probably aware of the We scandal, uh, where the Prime Minister was giving out uh, this huge contract to one of his uh, 
more favored uh, groups. And we're going to be having the Kilbergers at uh, committee on uh, Monday, and I'm looking forward to that. Mm. Um, Dr. Cherry, speaking of the Louis scandal, uh, do you mind just giving uh, a little rundown of how you think, uh, like, what do you think of this whole situation in general? Well, the ethics of this Liberal government and the Prime Minister, uh, you know, ha have been questionable for a number of years. We've never had a Prime Minister. Uh, I think it's three different ethical breaches, a cabinet which is so ethically challenged. Uh, what amazes me is that he seems to be getting a free pass by uh, the Canadian media. Um, you know, whether you want to talk about what he spent Canadian taxpayers' dollars for his vacation on that uh, billionaire's island, or the SNC-Lavalin scandal, and now this We scandal. This is a an organization that paid uh, almost half a million dollars to his his family and awarding them huge contracts so you know canadians they have a limit of what they toler tolerate and uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens when we get to the bottom of it but uh, there's certainly more questions than answers and uh, we're doing our due diligence by uh, calling the main uh, uh, characters to committee to make sure that um we get the answers for Canadians. Perfect, thank you. Dr. Carey, going into politics, who who do you feel was your biggest inspiration going into politics? That, um, you know, I, I, it's really hard because it's, uh, I think I was very naive actually getting into politics. Um, I really didn't understand a lot about it. I just felt that we needed to do better. Um, I always looked up to um, a number of different politicians. I remember Jean Charest Um, why him? I thought he did a. Uh, wonderful job as a younger politician. <laughs> changes it was one of the um oh okay he muted himself the zoom is very bad right now yeah 
Okay, I'll do that. Uh, so you ready? Aiden? Yep. Okay. Uh, Dr. Cherry, I was just wondering on your thoughts of the uh, the Wii scandal. Well, basically, it's a continuation of the government who has been plagued by different scandals. You know, it started before this one in the last government or the last uh, session of parliament when the uh, prime minister had that scandal in regards to the billionaire's island where he took those vacations. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it was the SNC-Lavalin scandal and now the Wee scandal where uh, this uh, charity, quote-unquote, uh, that has given almost half a million dollars to the prime minister's family was being awarded very significant um, uh, contracts. So um, it's it's something that uh, Canadians want to know more about, and they'd like to get to the bottom of it because nobody likes to have these ethical breaches, especially at the highest levels of uh, their government. So I'm looking forward to uh, Monday when we'll actually have the uh, the head of We Charity, the Kilbert burger brothers in front of committee so that'll be monday um, mm-hmm. and uh, you're welcome to stay tuned and tune into that as well perfect thank you you're welcome so dr carey again going back because it, it cut out the last time i asked the question but uh, who would you, you consider being your biggest inspiration going into politics um, I think I mentioned it. It's kind of hard to to say because it's uh, there are a lot of people out there that you know are inspirations. But I remember uh, really looking up to Jean Charest when uh, he was involved uh, at the Progressive Conservative Party. Uh, just he was a young guy. He was uh, really. Um, I would say charismatic, and he was even when the government fell, he managed to hold on to his seat. But then he went on to help um, keep our country together during the Quebec referendum. And uh, I, I really do respect people that you know put themselves or put their country before themselves. And uh, you know, I still think that our country is the greatest country in the world. We've got so much potential, and all we need to do is make sure that uh, we get rid of the uh, tired liberal government we currently have and have some positive um, positive policies so that we can uh, take advantage of our uh, natural benefits. Uh, you know, we've got a country where we have the most welcoming people in the world, unparalleled natural resources. We just need to have a government that... Uh, will make uh, decent policies so we can have the best future possible for ourselves, but also our kids and future generations. Yeah, definitely. Like like you said, John Charest, he basically kept Canada together because he was the main one that uh, convinced people to vote no for the separation. Yeah, and it, was, it, it amazed me back then, too, because if you remember, it was uh, Jean Chrétien, who was a yep, liberal prime, prime minister. minister. Yeah, asking a conservative MP to help him save the country. So um, I think that was a historic time for Canadians. And, um, you know, thank goodness that he was successful. Because, uh, you know, today what really bothers me is Mr. Trudeau has gone back to the politics of division. I I think you guys remember uh, under Mr. Harper, we never had a constitutional uh, challenge. We've never ever had a constitutional challenge with a conservative government. And now with Mr. Trudeau just being in one term and he's going into his second one now, 
minority, but you know, we've got the Bloc Québécois back, we've got the Wexit movement, we've got uh, people divided in this country, which is which is just sad. Uh, the Liberals like the politics of division, and we should be focusing on ourselves, the things we have in common. Uh, we're all Canadians, and uh, you know, we need to respect each other and work together to make this country even a better place. So there, I think the the limit on divisive politics is over. And I'm looking forward to uh, replacing this uh, tired liberal government with a solid conservative government uh, under the leadership of Aaron O'Toole. Yeah, definitely. That would be good. My next question is, before, before you got elected in 2004, federally there was never a conservative MP ever elected. It was always NDP or liberals at Broadbent's um, home Ryan. What was your message going into the 2004 election that convinced voters to, to vote Conservative? Well, um, I remember that era and, and, you know, there was a Conservative, there was Conservatives before me, but the last one was, I think, 1968. And it was uh, Michael Starr, who uh, back in those days, he was the first uh, Ukrainian-Canadian cabinet minister. He ended up being minister of labor and he was a great leader in uh, our community uh, but i think at that time when i was uh, presenting myself to run for politics we were um, right kind of in the middle of the sponsorship scandal again the the liberal party of canada liberals can't seem to help themselves whenever they get into government it's just scandal after scandal after scandal yeah, and um, i remember being the son of a uh, a naval officer when they moved into um, Afghanistan they gave you know they had better armor on the prime minister's limousine than the armor they were giving to our guys what they're sending into a dangerous theater um, you know on the other side of the world so um, you know I was horrified and then you're you know we had the uh, the 9-11 attacks and um, you know when you think about that uh, you know, we had Canadians who who died there, and uh, the Prime Minister at the time, Gretchen, decided to go to fundraisers instead of paying respect to our, uh, you know, fallen Canadians. But also, this was an attack on our closest neighbour and friend, the United States. So, uh, you know, at that time, there was all those things going on. And, uh, you know, I, I was just, I think people just keep, they thought we needed a change, and they voted for me several times during that, that time period. And um, I think I've done a good job, and I've been uh, blessed with a, a great staff and uh, supporters that uh, they, keep it, they keep electing me, and I'll, I'm very honoured every time they do that. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for answering my questions. Right, my next question, Dr. Carey, is, when GM was almost poised to, to close several years ago under the Harper government, Har Stephen Harper bailed them out with, uh, with with money. Why do you think Justin Trudeau was so reluctant to let them move their their plans to Mexico and the states? Well, I, you know, I people say was there a nefarious reason for that, and I I do look at his uh, ideological, um, you know, feelings about you know, the environment to a point where he wants to shut all things down. Uh, you know, we've seen it with the energy sector, you know, our uh, mining sector, our manufacturing sector. Uh, I think, though, in particular with GM, I think it was more or less incompetence. Um, you know, 
failed liberal policies over the years. We had a situation in Ontario where we had a liberal government with Dalton McGuinty. They brought in something called the Green Energy Act, which meant that uh, companies were paying more for electricity in Ontario than pretty much every other jurisdiction in North America. And uh, with the newer taxes, the carbon tax being brought in, things like that, and um, GM, I, I think they were just to a point where they have to be competitive. And uh, we were very fortunate that we were able to get them back. And, uh, you know, people say, why did they come back? And GM's been very clear, like, the investments that we made as uh, the Conservative government in that plant allowed the plant to be a modern plant. And they did shut it down, but they were able to bring it back because there was still a viable plant there. Uh, so I'm very happy that they've returned, but I think we've got to make sure we've got some long-standing uh, policies that allow our companies to be more competitive. And one of the things we could do is get rid of that anti-competitive carbon tax because, uh, as you know, the other countries that we trade with don't have it. So it's just an increased cost of Canadian companies. And uh, just the way he brought that in, it's uh, it's amazing how they try to sell it to Canadians as well. Like, Canadians aren't stupid when he says, oh, you're going to get more money back than you put in. Well, where does the money come from? It comes from you guys. It comes from the taxpayers. So <laughs> how can you get more money out of a taxing system than you put in? It means either you have to tax somebody else more or you're borrowing it. And uh, the sad thing I see with this government We've uh, gone from a paycheck economy where we've had people very proud to go out and get a job and, you know, support their family, buy a home, have a life, a very prosperous life, to now we're borrowing on credit cards. And, uh, you know, he's not a very good example for uh, people trying to get ahead today, that's for sure. For sure. All right, my, my next question is, what type of conservative would you describe yourself and why? Um, I would just call myself a conservative. I don't know if there's a type of conservative. I uh, consider myself to be a principled person. So um, maybe I can explain that a little bit. And, uh, uh, you know, when you're dealing with different important policies for Canadians, uh, one of the most important things is our budgets, for example. Well, I believe in the principle that you, as an individual, but also as a country, have to live within your means. So it's like you guys, you can't go spending more money than you got coming in uh, because eventually somebody's got to pay it back. So we brought in a, a piece of legislation, the balanced budget legislation that Trudeau, of course, got rid of. That meant in a four-year cycle of the government, they would, we would have to um, uh, you know, balance our books. And uh, unfortunately, uh, Mr. Trudeau doesn't believe in that. Um, you could talk about last night, you know, we had that debate about uh, medical assistance and dying and moving it towards um, mental health and mental illness so people who are depressed can have state-sponsored uh, assisted suicide, which is unfortunate. But I believe in the principle it's wrong to take an innocent human life. I think our whole judicial system is based on that to a point where even the most uh, heinous crimes we say it's not humanitarian to execute people, right? So why should we be taking or sanctioning the taking of innocent human life, especially for a condition that uh, is fully treatable, like mental health issues, depression? Uh, uh, everyone gets depressed, and it's, it's treatable. So we really have to be very careful 
when we move forward on this. And I think uh, people like politicians that take principled stances. And the Liberals, I think that's one of their weaknesses. They're all over the place. People can kind of tell where I'm going to vote on a number of things by just asking me what my basic principles are and what do I, what do I believe in. So I think um, that's the type of politician that people want. I don't know today if it's uh, so important to be conservative or whatever you want to label yourself. I think uh, people aren't tied to a particular party like they were years and years ago. I think there's a lot of people that switch back and forth. So um, I think good communication and principled stances are, are things that uh, I'm proud in my career that I've been able to uphold. Um, Dr. Terry, so you're on the Standing Committee on Access to Information, Privacy and Ethics. Uh, do you mind just telling us about uh, your role and responsibilities on that committee? Um, well, uh, it's a new committee for me and I'm very excited about it. Um, and members of Parliament always have to get involved line of questioning, but also design which studies we're going to be doing. Right now, as I said, uh, we're looking at the WE scandal and uh, how that has affected uh, the ethical situation with government. Um, it's been getting a lot, a lot of publicity. So I'm actually looking forward to having the two uh, main people from uh, the WE charity, the, the Kilbergers, are going to be in front of the committee on Monday. So for example, what we'll do, we'll get together. We have a pre-committee meeting. We go over our lines of questions along those lines, and uh, hopefully we get some good things on the record. Uh, committee is one of those things that uh, you get to your opposition and other political parties as well, because at the end of the day, we get a lot of our good done in committees. And uh, over the years, you know, being on industry committee, health committee, environment committee, uh, international trade. Uh, I've had the honor of really getting into some uh, pretty interesting um, studies. And uh, we just did one previously with Veterans Affairs and just uh, in order to help uh, these veterans groups stay uh, viable, for example, in Oshawa and our community. So it's a very rewarding work, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. um, now, it's, you're the Vice Chair of the Canada-USA Interparliamentary uh, do you mind just telling us about that as well? Yeah, that's um, one of those uh, associations that, again, is a group of parliamentarians from many parties and from the Senate. And when we go back and forth between the United States, um, we do it in a nonpartisan way because we're representing our country. So um, as a matter of fact, this week coming up, we're going to be having significant Zoom meetings, talking to different senators and congressmen down in the United States. As you know, they just had an election. There's been a new Congress, uh, a new Congress and a new Senate. Well, not a new Senate, but it was a congressional election and we have a new president down there. So the challenge we have is uh, you, you have to re-educate the uh, newly elected Congress people so that they understand the importance of the relationship with Canada and the United States. And uh, Canada basically is the number one um, you know, trade trading partner with, I think, 36 different states. So we're extremely important to they, them, but they're also extremely important to us. We want to be discussing um, one of the most urgent issues is our Line 5, which you may have heard. It's the uh, uh, pipeline that goes from Michigan to over to Sarnia, and it brings um, pretty much all the, the jet fuel for Pearson International Airport and for 
uh, airports in Quebec and a lot of propane, things along those lines. And now we have the Michigan governor saying she wants to shut it down, which would be, uh, you know, a real blow to our energy sector and our economy, especially since uh, Mr. Biden, one of the first things he did was uh, shut down our Keystone XL. So obviously um, the current government has to put our priorities first. And when they're having difficulty, we as parliamentarians all get together and uh, try to help out because these are in the best benefits. When these projects go through, it's in the best benefit for all Canadians. Perfect. Dr. Carey, so it's now a record for the current government. It's been 724 days since they released their last budget. What message does that does that tell Canadians that basically that they just don't really, that they can basically, trying to word this properly, that they basically can go without any checks and boundaries, basically? What message does that tell Canadians? Well, it's uh, an unprecedented message. And what uh, bothers me is it's never been this long, I think, in the history of Canada between budgets uh, during pandemic um, we've seen every other country in the world come up with a budget we've seen all our provinces come up with a budget and normally as you guys know governments like their budgets because they go out spend a lot of money and they make all these announcements so my biggest concern is what are they hiding is you know we've heard it bad but how bad does it have to be that you keep putting it off and uh, we expected to see one at least you know last month but uh, we may not even see it for weeks after and the big concern we have is mr trudeau is trying to engineer an election this spring so he doesn't have to bring forth a budget that's going to be criticized through the parliamentary process i actually think that he's trying to either put forward a budget and say you know we need a new mandate and just uh, pull down the government uh, or the budget gets scrutinized, or something along those lines. Because uh, uh, I, I just worry. It's like, how bad does this have to be for him to wait two years to put a budget forward? Yeah, definitely. It's uh, concerning that they hasn't told Canadians anything yet so far. My next question is, what issues? Because you just talked talked briefly there about possible and upcoming election, maybe in the summer or fall, what issues do you feel that's most important going into the next federal election? Well, we've been very clear we don't want an election, especially during a pandemic. Like, I don't think I, I, one person that says, oh, yeah, let's let's go out there and have an election right now. Uh, yeah. So just want to work. We want the government to actually succeed, you know, uh, rolling things out as far as the health of Canadians, but also economically. But uh, again, uh, because Mr. Trudeau's incompetence at, uh, you know, vaccine rollout, uh, rapid testing rollout, uh, we put forth, for example, a uh, recommendation for travelers coming back to Canada wants to quarantine them for heaven's sakes for, for two weeks and then put them in a hotel, which could cost them thousands of dollars. And if he had rapid testing, um, I was just, uh, I'm a caregiver for my 92-year-old mom. And I just visited her two nights ago, and I got a rapid test. I waited 15 minutes. They knew that I was COVID-free. I could go in and visit my mom. Why can't Trudeau get these rapid tests out to uh, Canadians? So if they're in a, a job situation, 
uh, where they got to go to work, they can go to work safely. So I think there's the pandemic is going to be a big issue and the economic recovery. Uh, I also think Canadians want to see a plan. You know, we have the Americans opening up safely. We have European countries. They have a plan to reopen. And, of course, it has to be flexible because we just don't know what's going on. But if all these other countries are opening up and Canada isn't, it won't take very long before if you're a big business and you want to invest somewhere, it certainly won't be Canada. So uh, we want to see Mr. Trudeau get to work. You know, don't just hang around in his cottage, come out every day and kind of make a couple announcements. He's got to get a budget. He's got to get a plan to move forward. And we want to see that plan. And so do Canadians. Yeah, definitely. The pandemic has sort of highlighted his failures as prime minister and leadership failures as well. Yeah. And I'm noticing, too, that more Canadians are starting to pay attention. We're starting thinking, well, wait a minute, this money has got to be paid back, right? And, uh, you know, it's always nice when the government's throwing money around, but you have to do it in a way that's responsible and accountable. Like you said, um, we've been supporting him left, right, and center to get the support out to Canadians, but uh, it's about time he comes up with a budget so we can actually uh, see where we're going or what his plan is for the future. Yeah, definitely. All right. Thank you for answering my question. My next question, Dr. Kerr, is if, if an Aaron O'Toole majority government is formed, hopefully this summer in a, in a summer election, what's your hopes for the first 100 days if an, if an O'Toole government was elected? Well, I think uh, people expect to see, and it, we may be able to roll this out. Uh, I don't think I'm telling you guys anything, but during an election campaign, you do get the opportunity to roll out your ideas. And what I'm hearing from Canadians, they just, they want to be safe. They want to see um, Canada uh, coming out of this pandemic. And they're frustrated that I think Canada's 144th in the world as far as vaccine rollout, for example. Um, you know, we don't have the rapid testing. We don't have a plan to uh, start up jobs, especially for young people. So I think you know, the first 100 days, we're going to really have to focus like a laser getting the economy kicked back into gear. Mr. Trudeau sent all these signals about shutting down things, and he's very good at shutting things down. Liberals tend to, uh, that's where they really excel. Uh, they've shut down our oil and gas sector. They've shut down our mining sector. They've shut down our manufacturing, our softwood lumber industry. Um, right now, uh, what I'm seeing is the Americans are opening up, so that should give our economy a boost. But it's got nothing to do with what Mr. Trudeau's doing. Um, you know, we just automatically uh, improve and the Americans improve. Uh, so I hope people are paying attention uh, because the first 100 days of an Air No Tool government uh, is going to be focused really uh, like a laser on the economy. Perfect. And my, my last question is, where do you think Aaron O'Toole should focus his efforts on Canadians? Obviously, all all parts of Canada, but what specific, like the Maritimes, Quebec, the GTA, or BC? Like, where do you think most is most important? Um, I don't think one area of the country is more important than others. Um, I I really don't like thinking of Canada as a group of different provinces. I, I like thinking of Canadians as Canadians first, and uh, I think we have to focus on things together and I think right now the economy is going to be huge uh, keeping people safe and uh, you know getting their lives back normal is what we have to focus on uh, we got to end the actual politics of division I, I don't think that the West 
should be forced to feel like they're not part of Canada because the government in Ottawa is not listening to them. I don't think the Maritimes, you know, have to feel that they're shut off or Quebec. We are a solid Canadian, um, you know, uh, country. And when you look at a prime minister that says Canada has no, uh, you know, national identity, um, you know, I just shake my head, you know, listen, Let's let's sing our national anthem where they say we're true north, strong and free. That basically says it all. We believe in freedom. We believe in being true friends to each other. Uh, we're in the north, we sure are, but we believe in liberty and we believe in the strength of our country. So for a prime minister to say we, we have no you know fundamental identity and we have to be the first post-national state, um, you know, I think people are starting to pay attention. Uh, they want Canada to be about Canada, and, you know, we are very generous people. Uh, we're leaders in the world, and under this prime minister, uh, we've really lost our way. And uh, Canadians want to focus on what is best for this country. And unfortunately, what's best for this country right now is to make sure that the Liberals don't get re-elected, because that will be very scary another four years if he actually... Uh, tries to engineer a majority and is successful. So we have to make sure that we're out in a vote to get the message out. For sure. Thank you. That's my pleasure. Um, Dr. K, my last question for you is just, how do you think uh, Canada can improve the relationship uh, between with the um, USA? Well, actually, um, I think we have a pretty good relationship overall. Um, when people look at Canada and the U.S., sometimes they just look at the two guys at the top. And uh, there's no, no surprise to anyone that uh, Mr. Trudeau uh, really didn't work well with Mr. Trump and the Trump administration, um, you know. But Canadians in the United and Americans, like, we're next-door neighbors. We're relatives. We're cousins. We're family. Um, and I got to tell you, when I go down there, I'm greeted, you know, like friends and family. Maybe some disagreements. And like in a family, when you disagree, you talk about it, you uh, and you work these things out. What I think is disappointing, though, is you have a prime minister, and we can see this with the Keystone XL. You know, Mr. Biden, uh, who's supposed to be they're supposed to be best friends and stuff like that, for him to shut down our Keystone XL and to have a prime minister that doesn't even fight for it, uh, we're having more American unions and governors and congressmen and senators fighting for. Uh, Keystone XL pipe. We have our own prime minister. He just kind of went, oh, well, Americans don't want it. So I guess that's that's as far as it goes. And that's why he doesn't have a lot of credibility in the energy sector anyway. And we're and that's why we're so worried about line five. And uh, for me, I just, you know, keep my relations going, keep on the phone, talk to my friends down there. And I got to tell you, uh, no two countries have had a better relationship um, than between Canada and the United States. Uh, we have a geography that keeps us close together. And uh, from a philosophical standpoint, we both countries believe in very similar things. And uh, we just have to focus and uh, make sure that that doesn't get away from us. Good, thank you. Dr. Kerry, my final question is, what do you think the current government needs to do to make sure that the oil and job, the oil and energy workers keep their jobs and not lose them over the course of the next year or two with the cancellation of the pipelines. Well, um, I think 
sadly, um, the government's already done so many bad things. It's just been hit after hit after hit. If you remember when we left office, we had four major pipelines ready to go that were approved, the uh, Northern Gateway. And the prime minister shut that one down by putting in what they call the No Pipelines Act, uh, Bill C-69. And you hear people saying he has to um, you know, reverse that, but he's not allowing any more tanker traffic across the West Coast. Now, interesting enough, there's all kinds of foreign boats going up and back across the coast. So he's only harming Canadians by not that. And then on the East Coast, where his buddies are with the Irvings and the oil and gas sector over there, they've got all kinds of oil and gas going across there. So it really just isn't fair. Uh, but that's just one pipeline. We had the Energy East pipeline that if we were able to build that, it was shut down by Liberal, uh, former Liberal Cabinet Minister Denny Coderre in Montreal. And again, the Prime Minister didn't fight for it. Um, that was a pipeline that if uh, it was built, we wouldn't be worried as much about uh, the Line 5 that's coming from Michigan because we would have had our own Canadian pipeline going from west to east. So, um, and then we had um, the Keystone XL, of course, that was uh, approved, and then the Kinder Morgan one, which we can't find, and it still isn't twinned and, and isn't uh, isn't built yet. So, uh, the incompetence and the bumble entire file. Um, I I don't know what the current government has to do except leave office and let have a chance to uh, get things back on track again because uh, uh, it could be it could couldn't be worse. I don't think than uh, than Mr. Trudeau what he's done to the oil and gas sector literally tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people lost their jobs. And to have him go silent and not even fight for them, it's an embarrassment. It's a total complete embarrassment. So my best advice for this government, if they want to help the oil and gas sectors, leave office now. Yeah, definitely. I would definitely agree. That's quite disappointing what he's, uh, he's done so far. He's basically don't care about the oil and gas workers anymore with all the failures over the past six years now well you know what and you guys know that when we have a strong oil and gas sector where our oil and gas sector is uh, some of the most ethically produced oil and gas in the world and it's not just oil and gas you and i are communicating on phones and, and screens and plastics these are all oil and gas sector and regardless of what you think about for you know the environment we're going to be using oil and gas for at least another 50 years so why not use Canadian oil and gas, keep the jobs in, in Canada, instead of sourcing it from, you know, despots around the world. On the East Coast, they're forced to be buying oil from Saudi Arabia and Venezuela. Like, these governments aren't governments that you can be proud of, uh, you know, with. Uh, we should be using our own Canadian um, oil and gas. And Mr. Trudeau, again, it, like I said, embarrassment. It's an embarrassment and a shame that this guy won't stand up for energy workers. I definitely thank you for answering well thank you for being yeah. here today mr carey it was really great to have you i hope we could do this again well actually i was gonna say guys because we had some uh, i think zoom challenges at the beginning if you do want to do another one i'd be honored to to be on your show again and thanks for allowing me to participate it's nice to meet you guys it was great to have you thank you dr carey for your time have a great day thank you. i look forward to doing this again you betcha have a great weekend you too bye now bye and that was the Conservative MP for Oshawa, Colin Carey. Make sure to tune in on the next episode of Conservative Roundup.